0: I am Plant on the line in Vancouver, British Columbia, at thecommentary.ca. Tyler Olson joins me now since the beginning of the year after leaving the Abbotsford News late last year. He has taken on the new task of uh, managing editor of the Fraser Valley Current. Last week on the show, Farhan Mohammed, the CEO of OMG, Overstory Media Group, talked uh, about the launch of their new company and the various outlets under its wing. I'll ask Mr. Olson now about the Current, what they intend to do, and uh, what it's like out there in the Fraser Valley. Like a lot of uh, people, understanding what's happening where I am in Vancouver is uh, made richer by following the news in other parts of the region. Tyler's work over the years, whether it was in Abbotsford or the Chilliwack Times before that, has always been a go-to for me when there was uh, news from that part of the world. In fact, as we'll discuss in this interview we taped uh, Friday afternoon, the Fraser Valley is changing demographically for one and a lot of the misconceptions one might have here in Vancouver may or may not hold up. I asked Tyler, too, about journalism and its role in the community, the importance of community reporting, and where he sees the current go from here. Tyler Olson is the two-time recipient of the Jack Webster Award for Community Reporting, and the website to subscribe to the Fraser Valley Current is at fvcurrent.com. His handle is at ty underscore olson please uh, welcome to the plant online program tyler olson mr olson good morning
1: hi joe how are you
0: pretty good yourself great thanks we're talking on a a friday afternoon and it's a a busy week Um, uh, but i guess it's busy for everybody because of covid isn't it i mean do you find that your days are filled covering that
1: it's been busy for me lately because i've been starting this uh, new publication out here and so it's it's just an ongoing general kind of building anything is, is you have a lot of tasks in front of you so your days fill up with those tasks And the next day you get trying to get to the ones you uh, didn't complete the last day and then start on a bunch of new ones and then the the pandemic just kind of is a, one of those things that is in the background it's it's actually almost Less now than it mm-hmm. may have been a year ago, because mm-hmm. be a year ago it was super new, and now it's sure. just one of those things.
0: What um, What was it like for you? I mean, you you left a, 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 a regular news job at a newspaper, and then start this in the midst of a pandemic. I mean, did, did people around you think you were nuts?
1: Well, no, because in part the pandemic causes a lot of the and. Illustrated a lot of the issues that, that caused me to leave. That was kind of one of the big things that that, that sparks some of this is that you have a pandemic and it, it creates economic pressures that already exist in community news and and but also revealed that these things aren't just tied to the pandemic. These things are structural. And then so, so one starts to look at their own long term career and you see uh, 30 years ahead of you and decide okay well is this the right time or is this a time to be making that move and and for me just it, it, there's a personal parts of that decision too that's different for everybody for for me it was a case of because I had connected to the people and, and the company was just publicly launched on Monday but people at Overstory Media mm-hmm. who were able to offer me a salary and were able to Pay me rather than having to go do this on my own and find revenue on my own, um, that's what kind of made it possible. If you if you go off and start your own thing on your own, yeah, now would be a, a, a very, very, very difficult time to do that. Just you're, you're looking at 12 months to 18 months to even consider maybe getting back to a place where you can uh, make an income that you can survive on and, and add to the pandemic. But if you have somebody... Who is able to um, pay you to do a job then suddenly it makes it all uh all possible and kind of that's kind of what made this and what made that move possible
0: but they were also paying you for a job that didn't exist heretofore i mean some people would have thought well um you know there's a lot of uncertainty there i mean i guess that weighs into one's decision i suppose right
1: right of course there's I mean, you, you you look have to figure out if 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 you think there's going to be a market for something like that. And so, I'd been doing some work before I, before I even connected with directly with them on on looking and and just being in the industry. You mm-hmm. see that in in a region with 300,000 people, there's essentially one source. There's several newspapers, but they're all owned by the same people. And so it's, it's treated as kind of like, even within that company, um, a single entity. So they, um, so if, if, if you think that there's an appetite for diversity in media and just a nether approach, um, then you see a gap in the market and you can think that that, that might be, you could fill that. If you look in places like the Okanagan, you can see, even as the media landscape has shifted over the last decade or uh-huh. 15 years or whatever, there have been new places pop up, and those new places have been able to grow and expand. So I wasn't too worried about that, but it's a, a little bit about getting to the point where where you can actually make that happen. It's, it's tricky these days for any reporter.
0: How much geography does uh, the Fraser Rally current cover?
1: All right. so we... And then that's been kind of one of the things to consider, because if you're in Vancouver, you can consider the Fraser Valley, everything from Surrey to Right. Yeah. But yeah. if you're in Chilliwack or Abbotsford, it, it seems, Surrey seems a lot more Vancouver-y than Fraser Valley. Sure, yeah. and So in part, it's a, <laughs> partly it's a geography thing. It's, if you if you can't see mountains on both sides of the yard, you in the valley. Mm. And then another thing is just kind of practicalities. So we generally, and I kind of consider it from a mushy border in Langley to Two Hope. So there's some Langley stories that are going to be Freezer Valley stories, and there's some Langley stories that are going to just feel and have the tone of more Vancouver stories. And and you can imagine, like, a Skytrain story, something about something that's happening on a Skytrain. That's yeah. going to be more a Vancouver story, whereas if it's something to do with uh, transportation that connects Langley to places to the east, that's a little bit more of a Fraser Valley story. So that that's one challenge, and it's one kind of evolving thing, and see where our readership is and kind of how the region exists as a whole. But, but yeah, I'd yeah. say about Langley to Hope. So yeah. so
0: um, I, I live in Vancouver, and um, for years now I've, I've looked at your reporting, whether you were in Chilliwack or Abbotsford at the time, and... Um, uh, you know, I, I I would follow it regularly because I wanted to know what was happening in the region. So for for um, because it does matter, doesn't it? What what happens in in a place where you know, you know, this is a region that we all share. I guess. Um, did you find that people um, are more interested now than before to, to what's happening, say, in Abbotsford or Chilliwack or, or, or somewhere in between?
1: I don't know if that's the case. I think everybody's interested in their own communities, I and mean, then people are interested in stories in their region in general, if they are, um, if they have regional relevance or if they are just told in a way that makes them interesting. There's, there are people in your community you're going to be more interested in what your neighbor does than what somebody across town does, for instance. And the same thing if you're talking about a region. You're going to be more interested in what's happening happening down the street than, than on the other side of the highway. But at the same time, if there's something interesting enough that's happening in a place you, you kind of know about, or even just that something that's interesting, period, then you're going to want to know about that when you're going to find that interesting and relevant to your life, and, and that can draw you into a story that might not be in your immediate vicinity. And then And then there are interconnections between all the regions and all the cities, and there are reasons that someone in Vancouver is going to be interested in something that happens in Abbotsford where they know a few people or something that happens in a place where that has similar issues to their own community.
0: I mean, you know, I think of issues like transportation, even the environment, uh, COVID certainly. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it does matter what, what's happening there to me here in Vancouver.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then definitely, and especially if you consider that the issue – in one part of our region directly connect to the issues in another part. The housing crisis and uh-huh. the housing shortage in Vancouver has a huge bearing on what happens in Chilliwack and Hope and Kent and, and all these other places. They don't. It doesn't have like an obviously direct impact, but it has a massive indirect impact that if you can pull it apart, they become one in the same story, just different elements of that story.
0: One of the things that, that I've noticed in, in the past week, um, uh, with regards to news in your your part of the world, um, the uh, we've seen stories about uh, you had this, this this rather bizarre interview with with an Abbotsford councillor um, this past week uh, about um, some sentiment she had about uh, COVID, and um, there's news um, Friday afternoon about uh, an Abbotsford uh, school trustee. Um, whose who, who's posts regarding COVID um, are rather controversial. Um, is it, One would assume living here in Vancouver that that, that, that sort of skepticism is, is prevalent there. But I mean, I, I see that here too in Vancouver, so it's not, you know, the, 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 that's not a good point. But um, is that something that you're encountering? I mean, you, you know, you, you, you have a, a Facebook group. for for Fraser Valley Current, you you see the the tweets, you see the comments on on other uh, social media platforms. Um, Is there an increase in in the sort of skepticism as to the government and and how they're handling COVID in the Fraser Valley as opposed to elsewhere?
1: I, I don't think it's a Fraser Valley thing. I think it's a fact that people everywhere have different opinions and they get their information from different news sources. If you we we probably here in the Fraser Valley um, have a larger proportion of people who um, are what are are on the edges of the edges of those debates and may might be getting their information from um, places that are are sharing and, and spreading information that isn't reliable or mm-hmm. isn't um, doesn't have much basis in fact or and then every place has people who just. They don't think too much about the issues, or they don't think too much about kind of the factual yeah. bearing that underlies their thinking. So they might not put too much thought into into sharing stuff, or or thinking stuff, or, or even putting out there. Um, the Fraser Valley for a long time has been pigeonholed as like the Bible Belt, or a conservative stronghold. And, and it has been, and it is in ways, but it's shifting in such such a dramatic pace that... Those older ways of thinking about it are becoming more outdated. It's, you've seen in Chilliwack, Chilliwack now has two NDP M- MLAs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you hear a lot about their school board and and a couple trustees there who um, have some views that are on the fringes and and might seem bizarre to people in Vancouver, and mm-hmm. and they are, but they're also. What doesn't get talked about as much is that they're a minority on that school board. Mm. So their influence is waning, and the way that the community itself is structured is changing. As you have huge migration shifts as people look for cheaper housing out here in the Fraser Valley, that has impacts on all sorts of things, and it's really changing the region in ways that I think are really interesting, but ways that if you don't live here or you just live here and don't pay too much attention, you might not even realize until until you look to see who you've elected and the person who's siding with the most famous school trustee has lost and the person mm. who is has the billboards against them, calling them horrible things on the side of the road, has won because of, of just those shifts in, in population and demographics.
0: So it does make sense that one launches an outlet like the Fraser Valley Current in this time, where demographics are changing and news consumption is changing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's tied to that particularly here, or part of the reason you go into this job is to do something that's fun and fulfilling. That journalists don't make a ton of money. It's not You have skills that can be used in more profitable ways, but if the job is fun, then you go into the job. And if the job becomes less fun or if the job becomes more stressful because of resource shifts or anything else that impacts the job, then you end up losing a lot of report. And then, so that's one of the things that has driven this and driven other things, I think, is that, Kind of in the same way you have a demographic shift in the Fraser Valley, just as journalists as a whole, you have a change in kind of the way the work is structured, and people are less, are, are getting tired of the, the kind of often the social media driven mm-hmm. um, way that if a publication is trying to capitalize and trying to maximize the number of page views or the, the, the online audience. Then social media can influence that in certain ways, and and that can be harmful both for the quality of the work, but also just the the quality of the job. And and then so what we're doing is we have a newsletter which um, is modeled on Capital Daily, which is a mm. newsletter of Victoria with 50,000 subscribers. And then we'll be launching a full website with 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 areas. That or that, that can be home to longer, more in-depth pieces, and so the newsletter provides kind of more of a direct connection to readers, and the the website will provide more home for longer, quality journalism, and and together they kind of hopefully can form a basis that can will will be able to kind of make a make the business of producing journalism. Um, align with what kind of journalism I think is needed, but also what kind of journalism just a guy gets into this in the first place to do, which is doing interesting things, talking to interesting people, and then producing stuff that is meaningful and and sheds light on what's happening and answers like the how and why questions, not just the what and where and when.
0: So you're the managing editor, so you have um, responsibilities, obviously, with regards to journalism. What about the business side? What about how to make uh, an enterprise like uh, Fraser Valley Current profitable, especially? I mean, you know, that's obviously an imperative that um, all all media outlets have to deal with. Um, Right. Is that part of your day in terms of of, of having to figure out how how to make money, say?
1: Thankfully, that's not a huge part of the job. That's one of the benefits of um, being part of something – like what overstories, is we have support there, so i'm not selling ads, so i'm not um, hugely involved in in that. I am involved in discussing things like and i I've thought a lot about um because it is important for news to be sustainable and so the idea was, and frankly, the idea before I even went to overstories, you can see there is a world in which. Purely advertising-driven content and news is less profitable than it has usually has been in the in the past, and is um, and is in forms that um, create that that drive a lack of quality. So there needs to be a balance between both membership-driven revenue and Advertising, but, and then that, so that's something that we're aware of and that we're, is the long term strategy behind this. So you'll have advertising on newsletters and you can kind of think mm-hmm. of it as like the front page of the, the publication. Right. The Newsletter is like the place where, where we first interact with readers and where then they can be directed to um, more journalism elsewhere. Um, so that has value too. We are very keen and, and aware that we want that advertising both to be distinct from reporting, so people can tell the difference, but also to not overwhelm the reporting. So you people on a lot of these websites, they are um, they realize when the advertising detracts from the reading perspective, and, and it also gives readers a sense that. The point of these, that of a website or publication, isn't to serve journalism, but it's to serve ads. So our our purpose here is to serve journalism, and so mm-hmm. we want to serve advertising to sustain that. But we're also not going to compromise the product for the advertising, because that compromises the whole the whole the whole thing to begin with. So that's where uh, a membership platform or membership idea comes in we haven't got that um yet in our publication Mm -hmm. uh that's going to come down the line when when it makes fiscal and business sense to to start that it's not going to involve suddenly putting a paywall up and saying no you can't have this unless you pay us money that's that's not going to work that's going to anger people and that's not how businesses that are looking to create value and and connect with their readers operate going to it's a focus more on creating journalism that people are going to want to pay for or want to support financially and then giving them the means to do that if they want to. I've had lots of people say, okay, we'd like to, and I've had this over the years, say, okay, there needs to be a place like we value what you're doing. How uh-huh. can we support you? Yeah. Well, if you can't take on ad, then how are you supporting that publication? It's, it's kind of hard. We want to make it easier for people to give journalists Money to do their work, essentially, yeah. and so that can come with, and, and different places have offered a range of different things for those memberships or for those, whatever you want to call that. Um, but there's a range of ways you can do that. It's just a matter of finding the balance and finding what's right and what what the people who are supporting you were are, are going to want and be happy with with uh, with working with us on.
0: Yeah. Um, the, but by the way, the other thing I was curious about um, was the time that the newsletter comes out. Did you have discussions, say, uh, about uh, what time of day that would happen? I mean, it, it comes out, I guess, what, just around 7 a.m.? Um,
1: yeah, just around 7. Yeah. Um, it, we did kind of have a discussion. It was pretty quick. I think it was me saying, I think 7 o'clock works. Uh-huh. Um, I know that, that a lot of people get there news or, or interest in getting news before they go to work, especially in a place where Fraser Valley has a large ed- educated workforce, but we also have a large a number of residents and people um, who go to work, and they don't spend all day on their computers. Yeah. They go to work they're in the trades or whatnot, but they're informed and they care about their community, so they they check things out before they go to work, and then they check back later. So, so 7 o'clock, I know that you can see across different news outlets that people like getting information at that time. And so that's kind of just when we thought it best, that's something that we'll take a look at going forward too. But too, when you give people something first thing in the morning, it also connects it to like, it's the start of the day. It's not yeah. like we're not catching up on anything. Not sure. much has happened yet. And it also relates to kind of the idea that it's, it's a newsletter in a new online forum, but it's an awful lot like in the way, harkening back to an old daily newspaper where it's something that you can read over breakfast it can catch you up on something it can give you some interesting information that you didn't have or or an interesting you can read something interesting to read in the morning and then and then you go off on your day and um, we're not the only people out there. There's ways to follow along. We are not going to try and compete or outrace people to uh-huh. stories or, or something. You have to see where your bread and butter lies and, um, and figure out what you can provide and what service you can provide people. Instead of There's too many journalists out there, uh, or there's not enough journalists out there for us all to be racing after sure. the same stories yeah. and doing the same thing
0: yeah what um and how, how do you i, I had your uh, your over uh ceo on the program earlier this week um in, in terms of uh the fraser valley current and um say other uh, uh things that you'll be adding in in, in the near future like a will podcast will video will be that's Will will that be something you'll look into
1: we've had discussions about some of them i think there's there's reasons to think so that, like, a podcast would be really interesting. Um, there are conversations I have on a daily and weekly basis with people, and and you can only you, you use some of that information in a story that you're writing, and you can use more in feature stuff. But some of these conversations, like, as you would know, um, are interesting enough that, that you kind of wish you could just, Put it all up there and say, okay, here, I spoke to this interesting local person about these topics, and here's how you can listen in and kind of get behind the news. So I think that's interesting. Um, there's, a, there's almost infinite different ways you can kind of explore and try and reach people in a place, especially places large as this is Fraser Valley, ge- mm-hmm. geographically and, and community-wise. So it's kind of a matter of figuring out um both what your audience wants, what you think, and what you think you can provide them in a unique way, and in a way that is going to um, provide them value versus just providing them something that um, they can get from you, or they can, or they might choose to get from someone else in a week or a month or a year.
0: Did you always want to be a journalist? Like when you were a kid, was this something that you wanted to do?
1: Most people would say no to that question, but I, yeah, yeah, for me it was a, yeah, for, yeah, I think it was a, like, I, I, there was a time where I'd want to be a hockey player, but then when that came <laughs> went um, I always wanted to do something with the writing, and even if you want to be a novelist or something, as I think I was thinking at some point, um, you still need to pay the bills usually at some, somehow, so I, I didn't grow up particularly wealthy or well-off. I was always aware that you needed a job, you needed something to do, so it was always interesting. I remember creating a fake newspaper in, in, in high school or something for a school yeah. project and some other things that was always on my radar and then when I left high school I went straight off and started working on journalism in university and Left the university at 21 and then went straight into it, um, which is a lot earlier than a lot of people.
0: Well, you have this AHL team if, if this doesn't work out, right?
1: Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah suddenly I realized—I realized in the last year or two that I'm, especially since I since joining up with the Overstory folks, that I, I suddenly got old. <laughs> For the longest time, I was the youngest, a young person in the newsroom. I, I had growing a beard to try and uh, make myself look older when I first started being a reporter. And now suddenly, very suddenly, I'm like the old hand in the office, <laughs> and I've been doing it for, I start. I stop saying I've been around for this long and start measuring my time in journalism in decades plus. So.
0: <laughs> would you recommend this career to young people? I mean, if a 21-year-old came up to you today and asked you um, if this was something that they should pursue, what would you tell them?
1: Yeah, that's one of those awesome questions that if you ask a lot of people, a lot of working journalists, they say, no, that's just, I've seen people say it's not ethical to recommend this career <laughs> to other people right now. Um, but I'm both a semi cynical person and more optimistic. I think there will always be a need for it, and then it becomes a matter of, Do you think that where you think the industry will be in five to ten years, and do you think that it will be in a place where it can support its work and support its journalists? And I think that our industry has done a horrible um, job at doing that in the last five years. I think that people, it's not even just the layoffs, and the layoffs are what gets most of the coverage. And it's partly that, but it's that and the pay, but not even just the pay. The pay hasn't risen. The pay is still pretty not good in most places, and in a lot of places it's downright atrocious. But it is the pay, and then it is not just the pay. It's also largely been the fact that that journalists have been asked to do more and more with less and less. And Mm -hmm. you think, okay, that's just a little bit, that just means do work more work. But when you build that over years and years, it becomes hugely stressful to people, and it's taken a huge toll on on just dozens of journalists. And I've talked to a lot of them the last year or two, and people are burnt out, they're stressed, and mm-hmm. they're A, leaving the, the industry in huge numbers, and B, like, worse is happening. Mm. So that's been horrible you started by asking would i recommend this to people i would if i think and i would at the moment because i'm optimistic Mm -hmm, that mm that can't continue i don't think that that's a sustainable way for this industry to go and i think that the companies that do that will have to reckon with that and they are going to be reckoning with it very soon because otherwise they won't have anybody to provide the product product around which their business is based um That's my optimistic view, and Mm -hmm. I hope that the places that are providing a better work environment to people will be the ones that will be able to recruit people and recruit people who can create journalism that people will pay for and people will support and businesses will support with their money. Um, So, yes, I hope Mm -hmm. so.
0: Well, I, I don't think it's either optimistic or, or pessimistic. I think it's realistic, and I think that's what people that, – that's certainly one of the, uh, the the traits I've admired in your work over the years, um, is that you're able to uh, tell us what we need to know rather than what we want to know, I guess. And and um, I, I've, I've kept it longer than I said I would, but um, I've, I've enjoyed the chat, and I hope the uh, conversation uh, will continue. I hope you'll come on again uh, in the future. I, I, uh, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for this, Tyler.
1: I really appreciate it appreciate you having me on it it's been good and i like talking about this stuff even if it <laughs> i can end up in a gloomy spot once in a while i really appreciate what you've been doing and it's it's good to have people like you and in, in, in the local kind of landscape to to be able to talk about these on on a local level and talk about people in the community so i really appreciate that
0: tyler olson's twitter as a uh, ty underscore olson the website for uh, fraser valley current is fvcurrent.com tyler olson joined me on the line from chilliwack in vancouver i'm joseph plato